Hello, and welcome to Stationary Adjacent, a podcast at the intersection of analog and digital productivity. I'm Justin Twyfin, joined as always by my Mediterranean co-host, Stu Lennon. Hey, Stu. How's the med this week? Uh, how's the med this week? Well, it's still uh, a little bit cool for the time of year by our standards, but it is warming up a bit. It's 25 degrees. Uh, and I'm sitting in an office with no aircon on because I don't want to annoy my fussy editor. Um, the dogs are in with me. The curtains are closed so that they can't witness the return of the boss. Um, because when they do, there'll be all sorts of barking. Chaos will break out. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's all right. It's all right. How's Canada? Are you still basking in sort of temperatures that I would expect here? No, we dropped uh, from one day to the next uh, by about 20 degrees. Burr. That was uh, a bit of a shock. Uh, all of a sudden, I'm in shorts and sandals, and then I'm backing long pants and socks. It was an odie. It was brutal. Um, last weekend was a long weekend up here, which means everybody gets out camping, and the weather, of course, goes really well for it. We had thunder showers and heavy rains and oh, wow. cold weather and uh, fires and just all the st- we we got all the stuff. It's uh, it's a little crazy at the moment. Um, yeah, it's gray at the moment, but uh, yesterday was nice. I actually finally I, I think I've been trying to mow my lawn for a week uh, because it's been wet. It's been raining every day, which doesn't really happen up here so often. So, ha. Huh. There you go. That's all good. We're going camping this weekend, so it'll be nice, I hope. Yeah, fabulous. All right. Um, Any (laughs) follow-up? Oh, you're going to love this follow-up, Justin. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I'm reading this show notes, and I'm going, oh, did I just step on a landmine? (laughs) Oh, put your helmets on. Put your helmet on. They're all coming for me. Um, I blogged this week about a thing called NatCon 23, which is, uh, NatCon is national conservatism, uh, is, it's an American concept, but this was the new and exciting British arm of it. Um, and essentially it's a load of people talking absolute nonsense. Oh, they're doing a podcast. (laughs) Well, it just, it yanked my chain. So my, my blog post was uh, was reasonably succinct and to the point and, and involved some Anglo-Saxon language, which I won't repeat here. Um, but uh, a couple of people did pull me up on it as well. Um, a couple of readers of mine, friends of mine, I would say, who said, well, actually, some of the things that were being talked about need talking about. And they're going to be you know, Justin's favorite subjects, I would say. So, uh, you know, transgender, um, how does society manage that? Uh, the the NatCon uh, seemed to believe that that transgender was a threat to society, which, uh, frankly, I find laughable. Um, however, there is, I'm not sure how aware you would be of this, and I'm not that aware of it either because I'm uh, neither transgender nor female, but there is some sort of conflict around um, spaces that are traditionally reserved for women um, now being accessible to transgender women. So. Um, people were making the point that these spaces were were often considered safe because they excluded uh, people with penises. Um, and that was because women have, I suppose for all time, been threatened uh, and abused by 
uh, people with penises. And obviously transgender brings a whole new set of issues that I guess nobody thought of uh, way back when. Um, and, uh, you know, I think from my point of view, as I, I said to, to the women concerned who brought this up, I, I'm probably the last person to deal with this being a sort of white uh, um, white male uh, with no experience of these things. But I would hope that we should be able to find a way to keep everybody feeling safe and secure. That That's kind of the idea of society, isn't it? Um, and then uh, one that you and I spoke about, a, a throwaway comment at the end of a, a, a podcast uh, had me spitting my sherry all over the computer, Justin. It was just um, <laughs> something... Uh, I I had no idea that this existed, but essentially somebody who I would consider to be you know, a smart and intelligent person um, just warned that a certain um, a certain piece of media uh, came from a very sort of evolutionary standpoint, and you know you might not be comfortable with that if you're a person of faith. And and I thought, sorry, what? I I had no idea that there was this idea that that. Um, Christian faith and evolutionary science were at odds. Um, I thought that argument lasted about 10 minutes and then um, the Christian faith turned around and said, well, obviously the Bible was never intended to be a sort of literal instruction manual. Get over it. Uh, and I thought that was the end of it, but it isn't. Um, it appears, um, statistics suggest, and this was done by Gallup, so it's pretty you know, reputable company, that 40% of people in the USA um, believe in some sort of creationism whereby uh, mankind was formed in it or close to its current form sometime in the last 10,000 years. Um, which, you know, I mean, obviously people can believe what, what they like, but I can also tell them they're wrong. I mean, that that's just not true. This is now beyond any reasonable doubt being proven. So um, I was a bit shocked by that, to be honest. Um, but I've been reaching out to a load of, of, of Christian friends of mine, and we're having a really good conversation about it. Um, it seems that most of my Christian friends are of the same sort of viewpoint that, that I am, which was there's no real conflict between uh, the teaching of the scriptures and the, the, the science. Um, so, yeah, it's a... It, it just brought me into all sorts of areas, Justin, I didn't know exist that people go, well, the, you know, the, the, the entire creation was done in seven days, obviously. You know, was that not maybe supposed to be an allegory or perhaps metaphorical in some way, shape or form? Oh, I am not stepping on this landmine at all. I thought you would stay quiet for this section as well. Um, uh, feed, feedback to hello at stewlennon.com. <laughs> Stuart's Lennon. Just, um, but StuartLennon.com, please. Indeed. Uh, yeah, so uh, actually, it, in all honesty, I'm really interested in these issues um, uh, around transgender because it's just something that I hadn't really understood and I'm beginning to understand a bit more and that's good. Um the whole creationism thing, I'm not looking to, um, uh, well, in, in, in the UK, I don't know if this is going to work for a Canadian. I'm not looking to piss on anyone's chips. Uh, all, all I'm just trying to understand is where people are coming from um, because I didn't realise that this was a, a sort of point of conflict. Um, but it begins to explain lots of things to me. Um, and so, yeah, I'm interested to, to sort of hear people's views on that. And... 
Well, I mean, while we're at it, we may as well do abortion and gun gun control. Um, hey, yeah, 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 yeah. Is there anybody I've missed? Oh, Brexit. Should we do Brexit? As well? um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not meaning to be contentious. Not at all. Um, I mean, I have my opinions, and I'm I'm more than happy to talk about them in a civilized and, and sensible way. But if you want to send me horrible email, uh, frankly, crack on. Um, I've seen worse. It's fine. <laughs> I'm I'm typing at the moment. <laughs> so there's my follow-up, Justin. How about you? What's going on in the world of Justin? Well, the, the bigger question, Stu. Let's get back on topic. Did you get your new pegs? Okay. How effective is your GTD system? That's what we all care about. The new pegs are on their way. They are scheduled for a shopping trip. So I have a thing called the Blue Shop, mm. um, just so that we can wander back into gender politics. We have a pink shop and a blue shop. Um, uh, there's nothing very technical about it apart this from- This episode is going to get us cancelled, isn't it? <laughs> um, there's nothing very complicated about that or terribly sexist, but my wife has a bad back. So anything heavy has to be in the blue shop. That's that's how we work that out. Um, and while I'm there, I thought, right, I'm going to get some pegs because it's in my system. It's in my shopping list. It's, you know, it's in the right context and all of that good jazz. Uh, so yes, it is working, assuming that I remember to buy the pegs tomorrow. <laughs> It'll be in your task manager, right? It's in my task manager. I have a reminder coming as well. Oh, oh, I was I was going to say, I've, I've got some thoughts on this, but uh, I think this falls into our next week's conversation. Indeed. Uh, remind me about geotagging. I'll talk about geotagging next week. Yep. Uh, because this is a perfect thing for this. Anyway, uh, good luck with your blue shop. I would have just ordered it on Amazon and it would have been here by now, but that's me. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work quite like that at the Eastern Med, which we will probably touch on later. <laughs> Amazon Prime out here is about five or six days. It's uh, definitely not quite as uh, you order it in the morning, it shows up in the same day as you got in the city. Uh, but, you know, it's it's fine. The Though I, I well, we'll talk about it. I, I do have a way to go into town and go shopping now, Stu. Oh. Um, you know, my midlife crisis, well, uh, Stu gets, we won't talk about it yet, but gets more ink. And I decided to go out and buy a new car. New to me car anyway. Uh, I bought a Jeep, a different one than I drove to the coast for the last time. So yay me, I, I now feel like an adult and I don't have to ask to borrow my kid's car when I don't want to drive into town. Uh, and in town, it's all, what do you call that, angle parking? Um, and I can't literally park my big truck camper combo, which is 24 and a half feet long without blocking the entire side of the road. So uh, yeah, I get to drive around, do chores, be an adult now, and more importantly, uh, drive to the west of me. Uh, I'm you know, uh, kind of the last ditch of paved roads. I've got about 10 minutes of paved roads to the west of me. And after that, I'm into off-road trails. Um, driving my seven-ton truck is a little hard down though. So I'm really looking forward to getting out there and uh, having fun in this new four-wheel drive Jeep. Yay me! I, 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 honestly, Justin, I mean, I think you may have completed midlife crises. Um, You've you've gone out and purchased an entirely unnecessary mobile home survivalist pod truck thing, huge. And because you've gone and spent all of that money on that thing, you've had to then go out and buy an off-road vehicle. So, splendid. I mean, well done. 
I, I'm not sure I could get away with that one. Somebody did tell me a solution to a problem, throw money at it. <laughs> Indeed. And you, you have taken that very much to heart. Um, I'm terribly impressed. Um, Justin's little um, reference there to ink and me is I am midway through a new tattoo. Um, I was in the chair for about three hours. Um, and the tattoo includes a cover up of an old tattoo. So there is a lot of ink, and I mean a lot. Um, and there's about another three hours of work to be done, um, which won't be done for another week or two because, um, without scaring anyone, tattoos are essentially open wounds. You have to let them heal before you um, start doing anything else to them. So um, it has to heal over, which is going very well, I have to say. And uh, it'll, it'll then be completed, and then we'll talk about it, and I'll, I'll issue pictures and stuff. A six hours in a chair is fine. You could have done it. I, I I couldn't because um, what's happened so far uh, is very, very deep and very, very black. Um, and then some of the detailing is going to go on top of that. So I'm essentially going to be getting tattooed on a tattoo on a tattoo. Oh, fun. <laughs> it's going to hurt like hell. But um, it'll all be worth it in the end. I hope. Mm. All right. Last week, we talk about, we spoke about guests. Uh-huh. And you were saying how your wonderful guests, as much as you enjoy them, threw off your entire schedule. Yeah. And I was kind of laughing at you. And I spoke too soon. Oh. The first week in June is double booked with all of my wife's friends. Remember I said, oh, we don't double book anymore. No, mm-hmm. we, we have an entire week. One person leaves, the next group show up. It is going to be brutal. Um, I will need to hide. It is, uh, well, it's going to be my wife and her friends. I'm going to be the only male in the house. Um, you know, and even uh, I had a couple of dates planned, you know, we've got some wine tasting, some parties. And now that's going to have Mrs. T's female guests tagging along too. Awkward. Anyway, <laughs> my, my uh, productivity will be, well, I, I might be hiding down here, so my productivity might actually go up that week. But yeah, it's either that or I'm going to get out in the camper. I'm going to find a spot to hide in the woods and never come back. Oh, God. Guests do. I, everything you said yesterday is going to come double for me. Mm-hmm. I, I think, like, get yourself down to the golf club, um, <laughs> book some lessons, buy some kit, just disappear for hours. It's the only answer. I should take the take the jeep and go off off road. Hey, there's an idea. Oh, indeed. Don't don't do anything dangerous now, Justin. Would I do that, Stu? <laughs> I'm sure there's a tool for that that I could buy. Speaking of tools, oh, mm. what was your tool this week? Ah, uh, um, what was my tool? Well, it's the Eastern Mediterranean. So, uh, everybody, stand by. This is the weekly Stuart rant. Um. It's lovely being here in the Eastern Med, but it, it, it is sometimes really, really infuriating. So um, because it's a small island, um, pretty much everything is a monopoly. Um, and anything that isn't a monopoly is a cartel. So uh, if you look at just, say, courier companies, for example, they all have a chat and decide that nobody is going to deliver 10 metres outside the city limits. Um, and because nobody is going to do it, then nobody gets an advantage. They don't have to spend the money on actually being a courier 
service. Uh, and they just get lots and lots of money from the big names who think their franchises are fantastic, um, but who actually don't do anything. As an example, I, a couple of months ago, um, readers of the blog, and I think we talked about it here at Stationary Adjacent, um, my wife had a little fender bender with the BMW. So um, memorably, she, she just nudged it into a wall and then in an attempt to put it in reverse to come off the wall, slapped it into manual and really drove it into the wall. Um, and that caused a little bit of damage. But because it's a BMW, you have to replace pretty much 80% of the car um, if, if you scratch it. So uh, in the UK, um, where, where we, we both had BMWs, the, the, the deal would be quite simple. I would call the insurer and then mysteriously... Um, BMW would arrive with a courtesy car. They would take away the broken car. They would fix it. They would make it beautiful. They would clean it in and out. It would come back with a new car smell and it would be back the next day and they would take that little hire car away and say, thank you very much. And it, it was just fantastic, seamless, beautiful. And I kind of expected that here as well because it's, you know, I pay the, the you know, the top insurance as it were. Um, and so I, I got in touch with my insurance broker and said, okay, uh, she's had a small fender bender. I need to get it fixed. Uh, and then there was this sort of long pause and they went, okay, right. Well, where do you want to take it? I said, pardon? Where do you want to take it? I said, well, BMW would be the obvious place to take it, wouldn't it? Okay. Right. Well, the loss adjuster will need to see it. I thought, okay, well, maybe I've just been unlucky and the loss adjuster. Right, I said, fine, cool. They can organize that at BMW, presumably. Um, so I, I went down to BMW and explained them the situation. Okay, yeah, bring the car. They look at the car. Say, okay, can you bring the car on Wednesday? Why? Well, so the loss adjuster is coming on Wednesday. He always comes on Wednesday. Sure, okay. So the loss adjuster comes. I go away. I lose the car for a day. Um, they call me. They say, right, yep, you can come and get the car now. Great. Loss adjuster, uh, we're all agreed. It's fine. Uh, we've got to order the parts from Germany. Okay. All right, cool. So we will call you when the parts arrive. Right. Great. So on Friday, they called me at, uh, let me get this right, about 3.15 in the afternoon. And they said, Okay, you're booked in for Monday. I said, oh, right, fantastic. That's great. Super. Um, what time do you need it? Oh, if you could drop it down at, um, at around 8 o'clock. Okay, yeah, no problem at all. And what time can I pick it up? Friday. Sorry? Friday. A week? Why do you need the car for a week? Uh, well, you know, that's, that's how long it takes. Okay, well, look, if you need the car for a week, I'll need a courtesy car. Oh, no, 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 we don't do courtesy cars. I said, well, you gave me a courtesy car the last time I put it in for service last year. Yeah, no, we can't do that. You need to speak to your insurer. Did it not occur to you to speak to the insurer when you were speaking to the loss adjuster? If you're going to take a car off someone for a week, do you not think they might need transport? Yeah, mm, yeah, I see. Mm, yeah, no, you'll need, to, you'll need to speak to the insurer. Okay, cool. So I speak to my broker, who speaks to the insurer who speaks to the broker, who speaks to me, and says, yep, uh, they will cover uh, a courtesy car for uh, up to, I can't remember what it was, 25 euros a day. Great, cool. I phone BMW. Yep, the insurance will cover up to 25 euros a day. If you could give me an automatic, that'd be great. But uh, if it has to be stick, don't worry, I can drive it. 
Oh, no, 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 we can't give you a courtesy car at all. Right. Okay, cool. So um, I just have to take it from one of the car hire companies. Yep. All right, great. So I then get back to my car hire guy. I say to him, okay, I need a car. 25, I don't care what it is. Fine. Sort it out. Yeah, yeah, it's great. When do you need it? Uh, Monday. What? Yeah, Monday. <laughs> Mean, Meanwhile, I'm looking at the clock because I know I've got 10 minutes left to phone BMW to reserve the slot. Otherwise, I lose it. So eventually, get it organized. I've got, um, I've got some weird thing. I've got a Toyota Verso to anybody who's uh, in these things. It's like a, it's like a box with wheels at each corner. Um, it's fine. It's perfectly fine. It's uh, stick shift, which I haven't driven in ages, and it's got six gears going forward. Justin, wow, six gears go. Honestly, <laughs> my, <laughs> you don't have time to put your hand back on the steering wheel. It's weird. Anyway, so. <laughs> All of this to go and get the car down there. And I know that what will happen, here we are, we're recording this at um, half past five on a Thursday. So the car is due back tomorrow. BMW haven't phoned me. For me to actually drop the BMW down there, this is how it had to work. I had to get Mrs. L to drive the BMW down there hours before they open and leave the car outside BMW. I had to follow her so I could take her to work. Then I had to drive back to BMW, wait for BMW to open so that I could go in and say, here's the keys, get on it. Then from there, I had to come back home, do whatever I had to do. I had to then drive down to my wife's place of work to pick her up, or for her actually to pick me up so that she could then drop me at the car hire while she went on to do some private lessons where I then had to do the paperwork to hire the car to get the hire car home. So pretty much a whole day, just car jockeying. And I'm going to have to do that all again tomorrow within the constraints of my wife has about a 90 minute window when she can actually come to sign the car because the car is in both our names. Both of us have to be there to collect it. Oh, because fine. that's that's the law. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's not the law. But anyway, um, it's essentially it's going to be two full days. I mean, actually, I could probably argue four. A consultant would say four days because if you use part of my day, you've used all of my day. But anyway, four days, and. I guarantee you that the BMW is going to phone me tomorrow and say, yep, you can collect it. Yeah, we're here for another 15 minutes. I guarantee you that's what's going to happen. It's, and it's because there's only one main dealer here. In the UK, you can buy a BMW from several, you know, in your area. There will be several, I'm sure it's the same in the Canada and the States, several main dealers. And so they compete on service. Clearly, the car they sell you is going to be in BMW. It's going to be identical. But the service that they offer is what will, will make you go back to them for service. It's what will make you go back to the next time you need a car. They don't have that here. So they just don't care. <laughs> and once again, the brand, BMW, has no idea that the customer service that you get is nothing to do with BMW. It's to do with Cyprus, i.e. it's awful. And uh, they're just not interested. It's too small a market, I guess. It's so frustrating, particularly when you speak to someone. You say, okay, well, look, why don't we do it this way? Because that will be much more efficient for you and much more for efficient for me. What do you think? Oh, uh, no, no, we can't do that. <laughs> See, I'm listening to this, Stu. 
and I'm just thinking, oh, you guys have it pretty good. Welcome to British Columbia. We have an even better system. We have actually one more step in this process than you do. The last time I was in a, an accident. Uh, but we have a quasi-government mandated car insurance. So every repair has to go through a government organization. So enter the Canadian bureaucrats that see your problems and say, hold my beer. <laughs> um, yeah, this is, this is normal. I, I did not see anything out of your rent that was a problem for doing business in British Columbia. Uh, the thing about British Columbia is if you get in an accident, you have to go to a very inconveniently placed and uh, inconveniently timed insurance uh, government insurance building to let somebody actually look at your car. You can't do that at the dealership. Um, and then you go through all the same problems, including which that, uh, you know, one of our problems is, oh, well, you didn't pay for the extra higher car insurance. Therefore, you don't get to get a car for three days, even a courtesy car at a repair facility. Um, Yes, it is absolutely crazy here and uh, makes Cypress actually look kind of efficient. So there you go. Um, hold my beer, Stu. No, no, I am going to write them a letter, right? I'm going to write a letter to BMW and the insurance company. And I'm going to include in it my receipt for the car hire, which the insurance company has agreed that it will reimburse me. And I am going to give them two invoices out of my um, company. Now, my, my rack rate billable uh, is 2,500 sterling a day. So call it 3,000 US. So I'm going to bill them $6,000 for my time spent facilitating their inefficiencies. No, obviously they're not going to pay that. I'm just fascinated to see what response, if anything, I'm going to get. Because I'm going to say to them, well, you owe me this money. I don't know if it's BMW or the insurance. I assume you guys will work that out between you and see what they come back with. If it's anything like here, believe me, somebody that bought two cars this year, um, car companies suck out here. That's all I got to say. Um, nobody, I've, I've, I'm certainly not going to get anything back that I know, but it's whether I will get any abuse. That's just really what I'm interested in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You, you would just get a, you, you would get no response, whatever here. I mean, uh, you're trying to buy a car, you're trying to pay money for it. And people here just have no interest because right at the moment they have more demand post COVID for cars and they have supply. Um, I, I was trying to buy a, a new car the reason I've got old cars is that, uh, a new car, somebody wanted me to order one. You're going to love this Stu. order one. Now we have no idea when it will be delivered anywhere from eight months to 14 months. Mm -hmm. And we have no idea what cost it will be when it comes. Uh -huh. Yeah. There you go. Quality. Um, well, while we're out doing each other on nonsense, have you have you considered, Mister Twyford, buying a Rolex watch? You might you might want to do some research into how that works at the moment. It's absolutely astonishing. <laughs> no, I, a little. Well, I, I I'm driving my Rolex watch at the moment, Stu. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> right, let's stop whining and whinging. <sighs> what was your tool of the week, Justin? Oh. Mine was rain, as I mentioned. Uh, we went from 30 degrees to 15 degrees. Heavy rain. We had hail. We had thunderstorms. 
um, last weekend was a long weekend and I had a bunch of things in my task manager um, and some put on there by my honeydew list. But anyway, I was out washing my truck in the rain to get things done, um, which just for the information, one doesn't realize how big 24 and a half feet is <laughs> until one starts to wash it. Um, I had to have a special extension thing to reach out. It was, it was brutal. Anyway, um, mother nature completely screwed up all my precise GTD next action plans. How could she? Ah, <laughs> that's all I got to say. Um, and then, then of course I got, I got thinking about this and, and this is, this is, oh boy, we're, go, we're going off a rail again. Interdependence versus codependence. After last weekend, part of the reason that all of these things had to be done is that I'm going away this weekend with Mrs. T and the princess in the camper. Uh, we're leaving on Friday and we're going to come back Sunday evening. We're staying in a cider orchard uh, a few hours away, Ooh. which uh, looks lovely. I found this on an app, a camping app. Uh, they do these special things. It, it's it looks really cool. You get to go taste the cider and the whole bit. Um, I, when I go, I get in my camper and go, I've got the essentials in there. You know, I've got water, I've got food, I've got dried food. I don't need much else. I've got some clothes in there. Uh, quick and easy. Takes me 10 minutes to throw a few things in a bag and I'm gone. Add Mrs. T to the mix. And it becomes a week of, Planning, packing, buying new things we need, and just generally organizing stuff to make this work. It is so stressful. I, I could be packing for a vacation to Mexico, and it's about the same level of work. I could have asked you, is Mrs. L like that too? Um, well, there was a time when uh, I was the corporate Cobra and I would jump on international flights every week, sometimes just, just a pair, sometimes a couple of pairs. And uh, I got really good at it. So it takes me about 30 seconds to pack for anything. Um, I have a whole load of tricks that I've learned along the way, um, which um, well, I'll, I'll get, give you a couple of them now. So wear slip-on shoes, um, preferably slippers, if you can, to go through the airport. So that when these idiots go, oh, take off your shoes, please, sir. It's not a huge song and dance. Um, don't wear a belt because obviously um, there is no possible way that airport security could allow for the fact that people wear belts. I mean, who would have thought it? Um, don't have anything in your pockets because clearly probably some sort of terrorist threat if you've got two coins in your pockets. Um, essentially, I developed strategies to deal with the idiocy that is airport security, this huge theatre that they do to make you feel better about the fact that they can't actually protect you in the air. Um, hand luggage only. If you're, if you're traveling hand luggage only, which mostly is what I would do, um, don't take toiletries. Don't worry about it. Put them in a plastic bag. Do no, don't do any of it. Just don't take toiletries. When you get to where you're going, buy some yourself and toothpaste and you can live without eau de cologne. You'll be fine. The hotel will have shower gel. If it doesn't, go and buy some shower gel. Don't take toiletries. They're just hassle. Um, Work out the, exactly what clothing you need for the trip and leave half of it on the bed, put the other half in the bag, take half of what you need because you'll be fine. 
Nobody ever died because they wore boxer shorts twice. Honestly, it's fine. Um, you always want your bag to be half full because there will always be crap that you have to bring back, either for you or for your loved one or so on. I, I had a whole set of rules and I knew how to make this work. It was easy. I loved traveling. I used every trick in the book. So I had all the air miles thing. So I, I knew where the right queue was to join. Where's the best place to check in? Where's the best security thing to go through? I knew all of that stuff. And as previously mentioned, if there was a way of throwing money at the problem, I threw money at it. So there was a wonderful time in Hungary, um, not long after it had uh, sort of become free, as it were, and they had a, a VIP service um, at the airport. And if you, <laughs> it was just something you paid for. And when you landed, someone met you at the door of the aircraft and took you down those little stairs onto the tarmac, put you in a car and took you home. You didn't do any of that nonsense of going through the airport. None of that. They just went through a passport control booth that was basically on the perimeter of the airport. And because everybody knew everybody else, hi, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. Who's this? Uh, some fat British guy. Cool. Yeah, let's go. Boom. That was it. It was fantastic. So I used to like traveling. I, I just, it became really natural to me. And and I I learned to sort of love the the journey that you get because you're not going to get the journey that you love. Um, <laughs> airline travel is a hassle. You know, if you fly any time after midday, then you're going to be delayed. Why? Because the aircraft has had a problem earlier. The later you fly, the more delays you're going to get. Um, you know, air traffic control doesn't get busy first thing in the morning. It gets busy as first thing in the morning goes through and goes through. Everything stacks up. That's when weather arrives, all of that stuff. So just lean into it. And I, I got into some really good tricks. You know, oh, I'm going to work on the plane. No, you're not. You're not going to work on the plane uh, because you're probably going to be sitting next to two children who don't stop talking the entire flight. Uh, you're probably going to have turbulence or more likely you're going to be so naffed off with the whole thing that you're just going to sit there and go, give me a scotch and ice. In which case, you're not going to work. So don't worry about working. Don't worry about your laptop. <laughs> Waste of time. Anyway, all of these things, that's uh, fine. And then I got married. Yeah. And uh, that was the end of that, really. Um, so Mrs. L, um, I, I, you know, for a weekend away for us, there, there's roughly the same sort of planning as for the Allied invasion of Europe uh, in 1944. Um, it's, it's astonishing the amount of scenarios that have to be covered. Why are you taking an umbrella? Well, it might rain. Well, what do you think we're going to be doing in the rain? If it's raining, we're not going for a walk. Do you want to go for a walk in the rain? No. Well, don't take the umbrella then. Okay, then. <laughs> what if it's cold? Well, we'll buy a jumper. I don't want to buy a jumper. Okay. Where are we going? We're going to Budapest in August. Average temperature? 32 degrees. I don't think you need a jumper. All right, okay. But it might get cold in the evening. Anyway, so Mrs. L likes to cover everything, and she likes to go through it. She likes to pack at least three or four times. She has lists, which is, you know, I'm a big, big fan of lists. Um, but she take, I mean, for it took me years, Justin, I kid, I kid you not, to talk her out of taking a hairdryer for a, for a weekend break. My gosh. And, and the whole sort of idea of, you know, let's go on a low-cost airline. So over here in Europe, that would be Ryanair or EasyJet. I mean, there's thousands of them now. But they work very much on the principle that you take as little luggage as possible. You follow their rules to the letter 
and you can fly anywhere for you know for for pennies. However, if you want to take a bag, then we'll charge you four hundred dollars. So you kind of have to play to the game here. You know, they they give you the rules, and if you follow them, you'll have a great time. But yeah, no, it's oh, and now because she's got a bad back, then um, one she 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 wants to travel with assistance, so she gets um, you know a wheelchair through the airport. Um, which is great, apart from the fact that it appears that 30% of the population now fly that way. So, um, you know, in large airports, we can end up waiting for two hours for some stressed, poor little fella to try and speed us through. Um, and more often than not, I actually say to the the assistance people, guys, do you want me to push push the, the wheelchair through? And like, oh, well, do you know where to go? And I said, well, yeah, I presume I go over there. And they go, yeah, yeah, just go into that queue there and you'll be fine. And I do it for them. Um, but then it involves getting lifts up to the aircraft. And I mean, it's just, and of course, you know, beep, 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 beep. Did you take everything out of your pockets? Oh yeah. I forgot my phone. Okay. Beep, 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 beep. Did you take everything out of your pockets? Oh yeah. There's my keys. Okay. Beep, 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 beep. Did you take your Kindle out of the bag? Oh no. Okay. Oh, they've taken my bag. Hmm. Okay. You haven't got anything sharp in there? Well. Just my scissors. Okay, good. Um, just all of those things that I think you can eliminate just by thinking about how you travel. Um, my, my wife tends to, to forget. Bless her. Um, the liquids bag. Yeah, she has one of those liquids bag, and it is always bursting. And so most of the time, the, the the poor old security people go, yeah, you just go on. But sometimes you get a new guy and he's like, yeah, I'm afraid you're going to have to um, take something out of that because it won't seal properly. And then there's a 10-minute argument, as, as my wife demonstrates, that it will seal. And as long as nobody actually touches anything, it'll be fine. <laughs> and then we get into the argument of what difference does it make if it's sealed or not? And usually they'll come out with, well, you know, I mean, explosive reactions. And I look at them and go, did you seriously just say that? And they go, listen, sir, these are the rules. We're following the rules. And it's very, very close to me getting ejected from flights. So I'm trying to get my wife's hairspray, hair gel, deodorant, uh, moisturizing cream, emergency cream, a moisturizer, emergency hairspraying, moisturizing cream. I, I don't know what she takes, honestly. Honestly, don't. Um, so, yes, uh, in answer to your question, I find traveling with my wife very stressful. And... In her defense, I have to say she absolutely loathes traveling with me as well. Because I just look at her going, why? What why is this complicated? Why are you wearing metal? <laughs> you know it's going to go beep. Stop it. Anyway. That's okay. Well, I'm glad it's not just me, but I was thinking about your wife's story of uh, well, getting uh stopped at security. Stupidest thing I ever did, Stu. I got stopped at security with bullets in my jacket. <laughs> Oops. Oh, and why would they be worried about that? I mean, I know you're in North America, but even there, they must be slightly concerned about that. Well, the, the funny part was I was uh, up in the Arctic Circle uh, on a job site, and we went into the backwoods, and, you know, you do, you do the, well, woods. There were no woods. It was the Arctic Circle. Uh, that you've got about three inches of growth, and they call that their trees. The tundra. 
yeah, it's pretty brutal up there, but it's it's a fantastic place. I loved it. Got out into the back. We went to the backs. Uh, we went out for a hike, and you know, we were we were doing like one does up in rural wherever we are. And uh, apparently, I had left a couple of bullets in my jacket pocket and um, hadn't noticed it. And uh, yeah, beep beep beep. Oh, what have you got in the jacket? And I kind of went in and uh, showed the guy, and he's like, "Oh yeah, just put him over there." Didn't even blink an eyelid. Luckily, I guess it's a common thing up there, but oh my God, did I, f those moments where you pucker. Um, <laughs> yes, I'm going through airline security with live bullets in my vest. It was, oh, scary. Uh, I, I think I've trumped your, your wife's um, explosive uh, liquid spag. Indeed. I, um, um, I have to say, I'm greatly looking forward to Camino 5. The Camino 23, the end in sight. That's what I think we're going to call it, which I'm going on in October because that's me traveling on my own. The, the flight arrangements are a nightmare. So I'm flying to Charles de Gaulle in Paris and then from Charles de Gaulle down to Santiago de Compostela. And then from Santiago de Compostela, I'm finding some way to get back to Osobrero. So cross country overland in Spain. What could possibly go wrong? And then from there, I'm going to walk back to Santiago. And then from Santiago, I'm flying to London. Um, where I've got a few hours to direct flight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. To wait for a flight back to Cyprus. So I've got four singles and my luggage is um, about two and a half kilos. Um, it's, it's the cheap tickets on the cheap airlines. So not even a carry on bag. It's the carry on bag is the personal bag that you can fit in the seat in front of you, that type of stuff. Um, but I love that. The only, the only problem I have with it is that to try and marry the um, luggage allowance and the um, and the sort of footwear thing, I'm going to have to wear my walking boots. Um, and if they ask me to take them off, I am literally going to say, "Well, I'll tell you what, you do it," because they're you know they're laced up very very tight. They're on top of socks. They're, you know they have special walking socks. I'm going to have compression stockings on. I'm just going to you go for it. You take them off. Uh, at which point, obviously, they'll threaten to throw me off the aircraft or something. So I'll probably have to just comply. Or you could just say, you know what, put me on the uh, put me on the belt. Go through. I'll go through the X-ray. It's easier than taking them off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but no, I, 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 I'm looking forward to getting to the airport, going into the bookshop, finding a, a paperback, putting that in my back pocket. That's my reading. When that finishes, um, I'll buy another one and just just living the sort of travel light not connected thing i will have a phone with me because uh, there's no way in the world my wife's letting me go anywhere for a week without being connected but it will be off the vast majority of the time and i will put it on i'll give her a call each evening tell her i'm still alive um and then that'll be my contact with the outside world that'll be it i can't wait i know podcasts that week i'm guessing nope all right what's your pen and ink of the week uh well i'm still loving my my lamy 2000 i've got my iroshi zuku in there the uh the very nice purple um which i've had going for a couple of weeks now but it's sort of it's front and center of the rotation right now so i'm really enjoying that it writes very nicely uh, and i just today i inked up my pelican m600 vibrant orange which oh, is lovely got a big got a big broad nib not a board nib as it says much on it um and I've inked it up with JFK from Mont Blanc. So 
I feel I'm in sort of Premier League pens and ink today. Oh, lovely. Yeah, I'm still, well, nothing new this week, uh, trying to get through the list of things that need to be done to go away with my wife. Ah, oh, meant that it was a busy long weekend and I had very little time for writing, even with the weather. Ah, oh, crazy. All right, Stu, we have a topic today after all this, you know. Good Lord. Well, not just us whining. <laughs> Apparently. Uh, GTD, stage by stage, we're going to talk about clarifying mm. a little bit. Um, I went through and I read the books. Well, I kind of skimmed the chapter at least. Sure. Um, from GT, GTD, uh, Dave Allen looks at the clarifying stage. What is it that you have? Is it actionable or not? What's the next action? Will it take less than two minutes? If yes, do it. If no, delegate it or defer it. And I thought this was a pretty good way to look at the, the, the system and see what Stu's doing. And more than anything, I want to talk a little bit about next actions because I think that's really the key question there. Mm. What's the next action? But Stu, um, as someone that's freshly implementing GTD, uh, how are you using this clarifying section? Are you using David Allen's formula or do you have something different? Um, I'm using uh, mostly the formula, but uh, a slight variation on it, which I'm sort of, I'm calling it my stabilizers. Um, this is the bit that I tended to resist uh, in the past. And um, I think is where the system would break down for me because most of the notes um, or the tasks that I capture are um, inaccurate, badly worded, um, and often meaningless. Uh, so um, when I wanted clothes pegs, I wrote pegs on a card. Um, now, if you leave that too long, then you'll look at it and go, what the hell did that mean? If you do it either weekly or even more often than that, where you go through the in-tray, and say, right, okay, I'm going to clarify all this stuff. Pegs. Okay, I want to buy some pegs. Right. So I would then rewrite it as buy some pegs. And at that point, I go down uh, his little checklist there, if you say, so, you know, what is it, buying pegs? Okay, I understand what that is. Is it actionable? Yes. Um, the, the things that we're probably going to talk about next week would be, okay, is there a context for this? Yes, I either need to be uh, in the store where I'm going to buy the pegs, or, as you, you pointed out, at the computer where I can order them. Um, I, I resist the, if it takes less than two minutes, do it because there are probably 20 notes in my tray. And if each of them takes two minutes, then I've got 40 minutes is gone. I'm not going to get to the rest of the things that I want to do. So, um, I will sort of look at something and go, oh, that's two minutes. I'm going to do that in a minute. Bad choice of words there, but you know what I mean? I'm going to put it to one side and say, okay, that's something I could do mm -hmm. after I finish clarifying. So the clarification for me is thinking about what the note um, or the capture says, what it is, because many, many, many of my tasks turn out to be projects. Um, and I'm, I'm very, very prone to just jotting something down that on a card or in a task manager looks quite straightforward. But when I actually get to it, um, it's quite a big thing. 
And if it's quite a big thing, then that might be enough to make me go, oh, yeah, that's going to take a couple of hours. So, and it ends up becoming a perennial on my list where it's not actually moving forward because it hasn't been clarified. And so I find this, um, this stage critically important for the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would go as far to say the most important thing. So um, the example that I, I thought of was haircut. What's one of those, Stu? Indeed, yes. You you remember them from your dark distant past. Uh, I remember them from Coco. She gets one of those every month. <laughs> yeah, I'm... ninety bucks for the bloody dog. More than I've spent in the last ten years. Uh, yeah, indeed. I'm exactly the same. In that, I spend a fortune on the dog's haircuts. But um, I will I will just write down haircut. Um, and what happens is that haircut goes onto one of my lists and sits there, and nothing happens. Mm-hmm. And it's because that exactly as I just said, I will get. I'll look at my list in the morning and I'll go, all right, what do I need to do? Oh, haircut. I know I, I don't have time to do that today. And it will just forever stay there. Nothing will actually happen. Because for me to get a haircut, a couple of things need to happen. First of all, I need to choose a time slot. So um, as I think I may have mentioned before, you cannot get a haircut in Cyprus on a Thursday. Okay, Hairdressers, by law, close on a Thursday. That's it. You can't get a haircut on a Thursday. You can't get a haircut on a Sunday. So always I fancy a haircut on a Thursday. I have no idea why that happens. It's some sort of weird psychological thing. But anyway, so the first thing that I need to do with a haircut is choose a slot. And then when I choose that slot, I need to diarize it. So I need to say, because I don't get my haircut locally, except in the sort of final analysis. This is a new thing, but um, I found a barber in the big throbbing metropolis of Limassol, which is a 20-minute driveway. Um, so it's a little adventure for me to go and get my haircut. I have to find somewhere to park. I often team it up with a little coffee, a little me time, Justin. Very important. Mm. So I need to then put that slot into my calendar. I can't do it on Monday morning. I'm playing golf. I can't do it on Wednesday morning. I'm playing golf. So, all oh, right, okay, I'm going to do it Tuesday afternoon. There we go. I'm gonna, boom, Tuesday afternoon, I'm going to go and get a haircut. So I can then time block that, make an appointment with myself that I'm going to go and get the haircut. I don't make an appointment with the barber because if you can make an appointment with the barber, it's not a barber, right? This is a hill upon which I am prepared to die, right? Barbers do not do appointments. Hairdressers, they do appointments. I'm going to a barber. No appointment. <laughs> Thank you. Emails to Stuart at StuartLand.com. So um, I'll then have it in the diary and it becomes automatic at that point because you know you look at your calendar there you can put reminders in you can put all that stuff and it actually happens so since implementing the system i have regularly been getting my haircut whereas in the past i i've been getting a haircut where my wife says are you growing dreadlocks um no then perhaps you should go and get your haircut right okay yeah sorry darling and off i go um it's simple it's kind of stupid but it really, really matters. For me, if I put haircut into a task manager, it means nothing. If I put either a project, which is slightly overkill, or just change the wording and say, choose time slot for a haircut, diarize. If I do that, it gets done. If I don't, it doesn't, which is kind of the whole point of this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll give you another example. 
Lime online course, right? So my consultancy business is all about anti-money laundering. Um, there is uh, a demand at the moment for some some training that um, I generally sort of package up in my consultancy and my support of businesses I, includes training. But there are some businesses out, businesses out there that need to get some training. Um, they need it quite quickly, and they need it sort of before they can apply to become a regulated entity. And they're not particularly interested in taking on a an expensive consultant to, on a retainer. And I can understand that. So I want to have a course that these people can take to sort of take them down the road. And actually, I might have two or three of them. Oh, thinking about it, I might have 10 of those because, you know, it's it's the 21st century. This is how people learn. It's not a bad idea. You know, there are mm, so you see the, how the idea begins to grow. If I write in my task manager Lime online course, I look at it and go, oh wow, that's that's huge. I'm gonna need a couple of days to do that. Oh, um, nothing happens. So this clarifying stage is me sitting down and saying, right, okay, Lime online course, that is a project. That is definitely a project. In fact, it's probably several projects. Mm-hmm. So um so the first thing is create material. For, for Lime online course. That's a project. How do I do that? Yeah, different action points. Um, market it. Price it. How do you price it? something like this? Well, you go and look at the competition. So what's the next action? Look up the competition. And breaking these bigger projects into smaller, actionable items is critical, not because I'm stupid. I know how to build a course. I'm, I, used, I, I run a training company but because it gives me the impetus to look at something and say, all right, that's a doable chunk. I can do that. I can do that now. I can do that now. I can do that. Oh, that, 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 and that I will schedule for tomorrow's work block. And I begin to get a plan and it helps me avoid procrastination. That's the key for it is that by putting the time in to say, what does this mean? And breaking it into those little actionable items it takes away a lot of the intimidation and a lot of the the things that we naturally resist when we look and go, oh, that's a huge undertaking. Oh, I want to go play golf. That's my standard reaction to most things, as you may have gathered. But if it's broken into these small little things of, right, course content. So you will understand because we're on a we're on a chat together with TJ, and I've just started. Putting, putting feelers out. Anybody know anything about teaching platforms? Which are good ones? Which are bad ones? What does anybody think? That's an action point. That's an actionable thing in my task manager was reach out to the people I know that sort of rotate around this space um, and see what anybody has to say. You've done courses. I've done courses. TJ's done courses. What do we like? What do we not like? Um, sending you guys a message is is doable and it, you know it's done immediately after the clarification but i've got the ball rolling i've created some momentum and that to me is why this particular part clarifies so important because it turns sort of weird woolly aspirations into concrete actionable items now am i doing it right yeah i was actually just looking through my task manager as we speak um Yes, I think you're doing exactly it right. For what I do, I'm picking, um, I just, just, you know, I haven't really thought about this in many years, but 
everything I do has a two to sort of four word. I keep them very simple. Uh, things mm -hmm. that I want to do. It's, it's an action that I could do. I know what I'm doing and where I'm doing it. Um, tonight, for example, I have clean kids, which means my animals all get clean tonight. Uh, that is very actionable task. I know exactly what I'm going to do. I've got it on the schedule. Mm -hmm. uh, I've got a time for it to do time on there. Um, and you know, uh, things for Saturday, I create a new show note for under the context that we'll talk about next time, uh, essay podcast. So yeah, that's in there. Um, there, if you do something like that, you know exactly what you need to do without thinking about it. I have projects that get into the more nebulous area, but anything that is a task for me has an action process that I can do. And usually that's something that could be done pretty quickly as well. You know, some of them are bigger projects, but mm -hmm. that project uh, starts with uh, an analysis of what it is. Uh, we'll sort of talk about that, I think, in the organizing section of how do we deal with that. But the first thing for me and for probably 90% of the stuff that I do I have a very specific thing that I could do. I can look at something and I can see exactly what I need to do. I can figure out how much it is. If it's a task that I need to do for work, if it's a task that I need to do for myself, I know that I, it'll take me 10 minutes to go in and create a new show note, for example. Um, I've got some other stuff in here, you know, uh, some work that I need to do to prep the camper for going away with Mrs. T this weekend. What a surprise, Stu. <laughs> uh, but they're all, they're all actionable items. They're all, I have to check the air pressure on the airbags. Uh, I've got to grind coffee for the camper. I've got to put some water in the camper. Um, these are all things that are very, very definable. Easy to check off. You know, one of the other advantages of it, once you've thought about this, um, if I put something like prep camper, it's so nebulous, I'm going to miss something. And when you're, you know, a three hour drive away, you don't want to really figure out you missed something because, well, it's going to get expensive, difficult, and more than anything else, I will have to listen to the wrath of my wife because, wow, you were supposed to do that. So I really do take this next action step very, very seriously. Like Stu, um, I don't necessarily do this if yes, do it. Uh, the delegate or defer it thing. Um, I put everything into, as we talked about uh, last week, we, we use the capture. We do the, this is the clarification of it. Um, I will tend to put things into time slots that I, that I have. Mm -hmm. um, this is perhaps in the organization section, but I will schedule time for a group of things a group of light things that are going to take those two minutes, as Stu said. If you have 20 things that are going to take two minutes, all of a sudden you've lost an hour out of your day. Sure. If you look at those and say, you know what, I'm, I'm reviewing my to-do list today, first thing in the morning, um, I'm going to have some low energy time at the end of the day, perhaps is a good time to put it there too. Not a fan of the whole delegation thing because if stuff's on my, on my to-do list, especially a lot of this smaller stuff, um, I, 
think you spend as much time, if not more time, running around trying to make sure it got delegated and done properly than quite often just doing it yourself. But, uh, you know, I, I know there's a lot of people in sort of our world that like to have virtual helpers and all the rest of that. That's sort of a topic for another day. Uh, have you done that? No, no. I, I, I honestly think that... Uh, there's a lot of things that it's just quicker and easier to do. I'm a control freak, apparently, Stu. I want things done my way. Um, but sometimes it's just quicker and easier to do it myself rather than it is to package something up with all the pertinent information so that somebody else can do the job for me. Sometimes it's just quicker and easier to do it yourself. But uh, yeah, I, I think for me, the key question is what's the next action uh, I define that action in terms of, as Stu said, exactly what it is, whether it's a choose time slot for a haircut, um, schedule the haircut would probably be the way I do it, um, using regular recurring tasks yep. is, is something that I do for this stuff. So if I was doing uh, a haircut, uh, I would have... Uh, as soon as I had it complete, it would pop up four weeks from now that, hey, time for another haircut Yep. Uh, in this mythical world where I actually have any hair. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's really important. So uh, I, th I think Stu uh, distilled it fairly well. I don't think there's much else that I have to it apart from just saying that, you know, when you're looking at your clarifying section, when you've got your list of things that you need to do really look at defining these in terms of the action. If you need to do one action before the next action, that's fine as well. I have many things that could be in a nebulous, here's a task, but I need to do this, this, and this. And I can't do the second and third items until I complete the first one. I can't drive into town uh, to get the haircut until I've actually picked a time slot for it because maybe something else has come up. Uh, maybe the barber's closed. You know, these are things that you sort of have to think in advance. Um, in my case out here, if I was doing something like that, I do schedule it for the princess. So, you know, the first thing I've got to do is schedule it. And then the second thing is execute, drive to the, the hair place. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's a really powerful process to go through. Just getting yourself sorted with what you're doing. And I think that's my takeaway from this. Uh, defining the next action is the key to any successful task management process, not even just GTD, any way you're going to do task management, define the next action. Yes, it takes more time at this stage, but believe me, it pays off when you go to look at your tasks in the future and you know exactly what you have to do. How about you, Stu? Yeah. Have you got any takeaways? Absolutely. I mean, for me, it's um, by by trying again to sort of um, embed this in my life, I've discovered that not clarifying, skipping clarifying, so moving straight from capture to organizing, um, that's what was, was tripping me up. So my takeaway is honor the process. That, you know, there's a reason for clarification and the reason for clarification is that it turns those potentially meaningless or woolly or intimidating things that you've captured into projects actionable tasks things that you can look at and say this is what i will do and things you can then diarize plan and get done and lo and behold it works who knew 
Hey, what about that, eh? All right. Where can people find you ranting on the internet this week, Stu? <laughs> yes, well, you can find me at stuartlennon.com uh, or you can drop me an email at hello at stuartlennon.com. Uh, you can find both Justin and I at uh, stationaryadjacent at gmail.com. Uh, and you can also find some fine stationery, if that's your thing, at nerosnotes.co.uk. What about you, Justin? Where can people find you? I'm hiding in the backwoods, organizing, making things ready to go. So I'm quiet on the internet at the moment. But if you're looking for anything from me, you can find links to what I do at justintoyford.com. Uh, please take a moment to like and review us. Well, if you've not canceled us already, um, on your podcast catcher of choice, we really do appreciate your recommendations to friends and colleagues that have a thick skin and won't be upset by stew, 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 stew. <laughs> All right. Our, our next topic is going to be on organizing the part of GTD until then goodbye and stay productive. Yes, us.